Hi, this is Teresa Gonzalez with Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Thanks for joining and subscribing on your podcast platforms. Please remember to go to our latinasb2b.com website and sign up for our newsletter. Today, we're going to have a special guest, Mijas Making Moves in STEM with Carly Tompkins. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Carly, today on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. As we discussed in earlier podcasts, we like to talk to women that are making moves in the industries that are affecting us and where we can support each other. And the reason why I came across your profile on the Hispanic Foundation of Silicon Valley and the Girls Who Code program that you do was because you were in a very, I want to say, high-profile biotech industry. One of the things I wanted to discuss with you today is how that came to be, how you got interested in these areas of biotechnology or chemistry or uh, microbiology. Is that correct? Molecular biology. Molecular. <laughs> See, I'm getting educated right here. Science, I have to say, when I grew up, science was one of the things I really loved. It didn't really speak to me as much as math and music. That was my thing in high school, which is very interesting because they all kind of go together in a way. But mm -hmm. that's another topic for another day. So this is an important subject to me on many factors of you being here today. And that is Miha's making moves in science, technology, engineering, and math. One of the things that stood out for me, for you being here today, Carly, is that you were involved in a program called Girls Who Code, which is involved in the STEM area, which is of technology and math. But there's also a science and engineering part that you bring into based on what you're studying at San Jose State, and then mm -hmm. you do lab work at Stanford. So what I want women to know today, and also men out there, thank you for listening, is that women of color need more representation in biochemistry fields. And why do we need these representations is because it's for better medicine and education on our genetics. Would you agree on that? Definitely. Okay. And that's one thing that I was looking at, mm -hmm. just on a superficial level here, or reading the book Henrietta Lacks, which is not superficial. That's a very deep book on genetics and the HeLa cells, correct? Mm -hmm. Which I'd like you to talk about a little bit later. But also... There are subjects around our DNA in these HeLa cells from this one woman, but I want to talk about the 23andMe a little bit, which is a little spooky. And then the last thing is I want to talk about how we see ourselves in medicines and products that we will be using more and more and to talk about how these products do not represent us as people of color, but just on a genetic level, which are causing us to have in my mind, and you can totally elaborate on this, us having more diseases, high rates of cancer, we are infertility, I want to say. And then it's difficult to go to the doctors, especially women of color, Latinas who have older you know, parents, to go to the doctors and talk to them about these things because they don't see either a doctor that looks like them mm -hmm. or they don't know about Yerba Buena or Viparu 
which you know it's like those are the first things we go to sometimes right yeah <laughs> <laughs> vaparu vaparu will start your car and it'll also heal the scab <laughs> on your hand so <laughs> all right so carly i'm sorry that was a long introduction but i just want to get to the the meat of things right i like to go right right for the jugular so tell us how you started in molecular biology and tell us why you think as a perception because i mm-hmm. had this when i was younger that it, it's too hard it, it might be too hard to do that and i don't i don't want to touch that stuff mm-hmm. right it's like for boys yeah right so yeah. tell us about that journey when you were younger and how you came like what was that pivotal moment for you So I definitely did not start in molecular biology. Mm-hmm. I started in a completely different field. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I did know I always liked science. I was always really interested in how things worked, how the body worked, and was always asking questions like why does this happen this way? Why, why, why? And uh, my dad has uh, some clients in the biotech field. And oh. so he would tell me stories about things in medicine and things in research oh. and I just thought it was the most amazing thing and I knew I wanted to get involved mm-hmm. but I was definitely really scared and thought I couldn't do it wow like I just I wasn't smart enough and but I did it anyways I started anyways because you know my parents were like you can do it so they kind of gave me the good little nudge mm-hmm. so I started but it was definitely the start was definitely a bumpy road oh And just reflecting on that cuz you say your dad was the influence, right? Mm-hmm. Not not your mom. So your family background, can you tell us cuz you told me I think that you grew up in Gilroy. Is that correct? No, so I grew up in Santa Clara, but both of my parents grew up in Gilroy. Okay. They actually went to school together. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And your grandparents as well? They were from Sonora. Oh. Sonora, Mexico, and then they came here settled in southern california for a little bit and then made the trek all the way up to gilroy mm-hmm. and then planted roots in gilroy okay and i still have a bunch of family in gilroy and did they come up here for the migration of field picking or was it just what was the opportunity they saw to come up north i mean cuz that's a long trek from yeah mexico i mean if we do recall i don't know how old your grandparents are but yeah you know all of california was mexico at one point so yeah. it's like <laughs> Very true. Before there was like this line, but yeah, it's like where where before did, the line. Before the line happened. I like that phrase. I feel like that should be a phrase. Before the line. Right, before the line happened. Yeah. There's so a lot the, of history behind that line. So my yeah, my mom's mom, uh grandma, she passed away when I was very young. Mm-hmm. So I don't know too much about her. Mm-hmm. But my dad's mom, she lived with us for a while. for actually most of my life uh she passed away not too long ago but she also had dementia for a really long time so it was sometimes hard to get certain stories oh. and my dad is just kind of the person he didn't ask too many questions but they know for most sure most guys don't <laughs> they don't want to yeah know. my aunt knows a lot of <laughs> my two aunts know so many stories so i i definitely pick their brains but I know for sure that she moved from San Bernardino to Gilroy because her sister's husband died. Mhm. And so she moved up here to help her and to kind of just be there for her because now her sister was alone 
in um, Gilroy by herself. But why she made the jump from Sonora to San Bernardino, I'm not entirely sure, but my dad speculates that it was because of like a pregnancy from a man that she wasn't married to. Oh, scandalo. Yes. <laughs> and you know, he might, yeah, it's like mm. a little scandalous. Like mm -hmm. maybe he had another family. I don't know. So she just, yeah. So she uh, left. Yeah, yeah. Novella is already in process. Yeah. So. She does have a novella of a life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the migration that we talk about our yeah. families, when we come from Mexico, quote unquote, it's very migratory. And we come here because of work. So I think a lot of families, and what I'm understanding you say, is they came here for more work and a better, well, a little scandola there, but, <laughs> you know, I'm sure it was also for work. And the fact that they came to Gilroy, right? Mm -hmm. And then they started there, which is a big farm. Yeah, big ag, farming community. Big farming community. Mm -hmm. That's probably where they could easiest get some paid. Yeah, paid. both of my grandmas actually, uh, I'm not sure about the grandfathers. It was like, a, they also, um, well, not also, because my one grandma lived very, till a very old age, mm -hmm. but the the dad, some for some reason, did not live very long. They died young. Mm. We don't have as much, as many stories about them. Like, I've never even met them. Whoa. So both families were very matriarchal. Most Latina families uh, yeah. are matriarchal. Yeah. Um, and both of my grandmas worked in the cannery together. Oh, um, cannery. My okay. one, the, let's see, we could call it the novella grandma. Mm -hmm. um, she actually, though, when she was in Mexico, she was a teacher. Mm -hmm. So she taught um, Spanish and I think PE. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then when she came up here, um, she worked in the cannery and then she would also help people with their paperwork, with their green card paperwork. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. So there's a lot of, I want to say, uh, in your family, there's a lot of teaching and reaching mm -hmm. back and community. But I think a lot of us in, in the Latinx community, we, we tend to do that when we, well, especially now, but we're always building family and we're trying to help each other, especially when we know if we have a skill or there are areas that we can definitely lend a hand to. Mm -hmm. So, Carly, thanks for sharing that story with us. And I, that gives us a little background about how you got into this. And you said, I want to go back to your dad saying yes. your, your dad was the one that was exposing you mm -hmm. to this, right? Because your mom, she was, what was her profession that she did? She's a hairdresser. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. And the pelo and... Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the skin products and the hair products. Yeah. yeah. Which by the way, is very important for us now knowing mm -hmm. in this, I want to say the genetic and the biochemistry and chemistry just in and of itself. If we knew more of the products that were in the makeup that we put on our face and how we use products today, I think mm -hmm. it could be very beneficial instead of not knowing. Of course. Would you just agree with me that as Latinas, we use a lot of makeup, <laughs> a lot of makeup. I can't tell you how many Instagram and YouTube, like the lashes. It's all about the lashes. Lashes I are do life. love lashes. Yeah, but it's like, what are we putting on our eyeballs, you know? So <laughs> that's fair, especially that glue. They're like, yes, the removal gets very close to your eye. I know some Latinas are all, 
I use the magnets or I don't use the glue. I just kind of <laughs> lay them on there and I just put the eyeliner on it. And it's like, go girl with your eyeliner and your, you know, sticky magnet. <laughs> Everybody wants some big eyelashes. I digress. But what I want to talk about is the profession of chemistry and biochemistry and the products and chemicals that are being used in products. And then also how it affects our DNA. So when your dad exposed you to, I want to say, certain things that just kind of clicked in your brain about, oh, this looks fascinating to me Mm -hmm. in science. What were those things that he did? I find it interesting that your dad would do that. I think it's very cool. But that he was like, no, Miha, I want to show you this. You know, I don't know if he was immediately like, this is what some of my clients are working on or some things are going on in the industry. Or if I was like... What did he do? You say clients. What what, what did he do? Oh, um, he has his own limo company. Oh, a limo company. Yes. Chihuahua. Yes. So he has a lot, mainly men, (laughs) businessmen. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's his like main clientele Mm -hmm. is, you know business people traveling really yes. with limos they well, still not, use not, limos? Actually, not actually in like a stretch limo <laughs> a stretch uh, limo no not a stretch limo it's just a sedan or uh-huh. or an suv mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of people like suvs mm-hmm. so um, it's not an actual like 20 foot limo did so. he tell you did he show you how to do an oil change and to change the gaskets you know he would always change my own oil. And I was like, Dad, how come you don't teach me how to change my oil? Right? Like, I feel like I want to know how to do this. Uh-huh. And he just laughs. <laughs> Why? Because we can't get dirty? No, no, not because he can't get dirty. Because he said I would f- always forget to change my oil, which is not an unfair thing for him to say. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> He's uh- like, oh, you know, I'm going to do it for you anyways. Oh, okay. That's funny. <laughs> well, that's sweet. But it's like, you know, I, th- I read a story uh, one time, and you guys can Google this about a young lady where her dad taught her how to rebuild an engine wow on a truck and now she is a monster she was a monster truck type of technician cuz he did work on monster trucks it's a big thing on youtube i saw a while back oh, cool yeah and so she actually drove in a monster truck she built her own monster truck and then she got accepted into MIT as an engineer from her dad teaching her how to build a monster truck from the ground up i i am not kidding it's true that's amazing it's a true story what's her name oh gosh because i I would love to i love just look up youtube monster truck girl (laughs) building from scratch mit (laughs) mit she got into mit all right so What I want to get into now is I want to talk about STEM for Women because you've given us your background. You've talked about what you're doing in uh, science, technology, and math. I want to talk about Girls Who Code because Mm -hmm. that is a program that anybody out there can get involved in, right? Yes. Anybody can. So what you do is you would partner with Girls Who Code, which is a nonprofit, Mm -hmm. right? And it's an after-school program for third and fifth graders and sixth to twelfth grades. And it's like a sisterhood or a partnership you create for them to learn coding and is it additional math skills? Or why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Using computer science or 
tell me about the girls who code because I think it's an awesome uh, program and I'm glad you do it. And I think more women out there, if you can do it, definitely mm-hmm. go to girlswhocode.com and start a club. But let's hear how it works and what you do there, Carly. Yeah. So like you mentioned, anyone can start one. It's as easy as going on the website and requesting that you want to start one. You just need somewhere to host a location, which I think, I didn't even know if it has to be a, a school, but I think schools are definitely the easiest because you already have the students there. And they just can go from after class, after school, and just hop on over to the the club room. But I'm in a Girls Who Code that was sponsored by the Silicon Valley Hispanic Foundation. Mm -hmm. So they kind of set everything up, and then they put in the facilitators. Mm -hmm. So they call us facilitators, and the Girls Who Code website has all of the material online. Mm -hmm. And really, really well laid out modules for learning, planning... And they have a bunch of different types of coding languages, Mm -hmm. like Python, Java, or Scratch. Mm -hmm. Scratch is a new one, right? Yeah, Scratch is a new one. It's like where you use blocks. Mm -hmm. It's more visual. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's, cool. But you use the concepts behind it Mm -hmm. as coding. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of gives you, um, I think it's like a really nice intro so that Mm -hmm. you can visually see it and how the pieces are piecing together. That sounds cool. So I want to do it. You can do it. It's free. (laughs) So when I say that, you know, you start these after school programs and you you just explain Scratch, which is a new methodology. I think it's really important that we start more of these clubs for girls, but Mm -hmm. also for boys. And I'm part of a nonprofit called Calculus Roundtable, which is located here in the Bay Area in the Richmond area. area but we are we work with all the schools and we partner with technology because exactly what you just said we create models for computer science and learning physics and calculus and Mm -hmm. math that makes it easy visually right because Mm -hmm. kids today are so used to seeing and learning visually from their phones from the television right We're losing our reading capabilities, which is very sad, but we have to get back to that. But visually, it's being adopted more and more. So this is the Calculus Roundtable, and we try to incorporate something like Girls Who Code into after-school programs. And we partner with West Contra Costa. We do techathons down in San Jose. And, you know, there's various other things. So this is very near and dear to my heart about Girls Who Code. So if I wanted to start a club, I don't have any math skills, I think, that I could lend. But you say they give you an outline or they give you a curriculum to start That's what's great about Girls Who Code Mm -hmm. is they set up everything for you. So the facilitators actually don't need background knowledge on coding. Mm. You can do it without. I mean, it might take you a little bit more time prepping each week because Mm -hmm. um, it's completely fresh to you. But they explain everything and you have access. There are whole lesson plans on there that the mm-hmm. kids as well as you mm-hmm. have access to. Mm-hmm. So you, it might just take you um, a little more time because you'd have to read through and it won't be as like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Mm-hmm. Let's pop that in. Yeah. But yeah, but it's set up so that you do not need any computer science background, wow. which is awesome. I know the girl at the foundation said that she's had people who didn't have coding backgrounds 
be facilitators and it be successful. Mm-hmm. Because I think the big thing in the club is fostering a community. Right. So it's actually a little less about becoming a great programmer and more about building confidence mm-hmm. and building community right. and telling them because you just, because I think kids just need to hear, you can do this. Yes. You know, they just mm-hmm. need someone to tell them. They need that little nudge. Yeah, they need that like little nudge. Like you did. Yeah, like I did. And, and you mentioned boys as well. And Girls Who Code, although it is set up, I mean, the name has girls in it, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> but, but boys are allowed to come to the club. And my club actually has about four, I think, or five boys who come. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, so it's, it's great. Like little... I mean, it's not like they feel awkward or like it's not, you know, they're not a girl. Mm-hmm. So they're not, it's not their space. They mm-hmm. feel fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think. In some regard, because, I, you mm-hmm. know, there's an organization, another board that I'm on for Girls Inc. of Alameda Island. And it's specifically made to create a safe space for girls so that they can feel confident and they can feel, you know, bold and ideas mm-hmm. and sharing. And they don't have to feel intimidated by being smart. Right. Because I think when you're in school and you're just fascinated by math or science and you start to excel in that. You start to notice there are not many girls in the classroom. There's mostly boys. As you get older, it, by 12th grade, it it gets lonely, mm-hmm. right? I want to say. And you and I have talked about this where, and my husband too, who's a teacher in West Contra Costa, he would tell me a lot that he would notice that all the girls were Latinas that were super smart and algebra and trig and geometry but by when you go into high school something changes and what is that change that happens and did you experience something like that when you were in you know high school before you got into this field of yeah definitely definitely I think one of the things is that when you're good at something you get praise Mm mm-hmm and you get attention, um, not a lot necessarily, but just kind of eyes on you. And mm-hmm. something about that, at least for me, as I kind of felt a little conditioned to be humble hmm. and to not take to kind up of sh- space, not take up yeah, space. Yeah, and to kind of shy away from being bold. Yeah, you kind of wow. shy away like mm-hmm. um, with someone when you're getting a lot of attention, it almost feels like for something that you do well, mm-hmm. it almost feels like, yeah, yeah, too much. Mm-hmm. Okay, so hmm. why do you think that makes us feel uncomfortable when we should be taking up more space? It wasn't, is it a societal thing or is it just because your dad was like, go, Miha, go do this, do that, you know? Yeah. What, what, what do you think it was? Because I know there's listeners out there that say, oh, it took me a long time to get over that. Or they still struggle. They still struggle with that feeling yeah. that they don't want to get to that point or... I don't know if I can do this and it's scary and there's too many guys Mm -hmm. in this arena and you know it's very competitive super competitive yes it's just like tech it's very competitive so you just have to you know what do you think you need to stand on that ground to say I'm gonna just do it you did you're doing it you're you're doing doing it it. (laughs) um I think it takes more about like changing your own mind mm-hmm. and um, like also surrounding yourself by people who feel the same way as you. Mm-hmm. 
and not surrounded by yourself by the competitive toxic people because yes. I definitely experienced that tell me Carly how do you push through when it's when you feel that toxicity or that vibe of competitiveness where someone's trying to pull you down with the energy of I'm not going to let you get there or you know you're trying to take up space and some people just kind of give you that it, that gaslighting yes, kind of yes. uh you know like dimming mm-hmm. your flame so to speak i've experienced that a lot in tech for sure yeah and you you kind of second guess yourself and it kind of makes you take a couple steps back yes. and you say wait a second i know i'm smart i know i'm doing something right mm-hmm. so how do you yourself for me it was just you know i was kind of like a bull in a china shop where i would just say i'm not taking no. yeah. yeah i'm not taking that sorry or i would question things a lot but a lot of us mm-hmm. don't raise our voice or we don't say hey stop that or let me explain myself to you because i need that platform so what do you think it took for you to make that statement for you to keep going in this field cuz it is there's only 2% of Latinas in STEM fields. Yeah. I, I, and how big is the population across the United States? That is a crime in my mind. And so. the higher up you go in degrees, the less the less there is as well. Mm-hmm. Like from a bachelor's to a master's to mm-hmm. a PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, less as well, the higher up you go. Mm-hmm. So I remember why, you know, you were saying, how, why did you feel this way or... What did you think? So I, because like I said, and like you said as well, my dad was kind of pushing me as like, look at these amazing things people are doing. Look at what's happening. And I think I was afraid to fail mm-hmm. because like you said, people are always like, oh, that's so hard. I We're just, all afraid to fail. Yeah. And but I think in Latino or Latinx families, we yeah. don't want to let our parents down. Yes, definitely. Especially when your parents kind of, they have a lot of confidence in you. And they've almost, struggled. Yes, they've and struggled. they've struggled. It almost kind of, you're just you're hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, like you said, the toxic culture and how I kind of... So that kind of got to me for a while, but then I got a little older, a little wiser, and I started to combat it. Mm-hmm. And because there was a, there's definitely in biology a toxic feeling of people kind of touting intelligence, as oh, if yes. like mm-hmm. you know, oh yeah, that was easy. Like I didn't even have to study for that exam. <laughs> like yeah, you just learned cell bio with like right. And no, you just came in like took in the information through like Mm -hmm. absorption you know like I know there are some people out there that you know maybe have great memories but it's just not the reality for yeah most people doesn't mean you're not smart and so it just came to talking up of like admitting and not being scared to say we are so afraid of failure Mm -hmm. is like people like oh, I got an A, I got a B. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's say you weren't one of those people that got a quote-unquote good grade. Mm -hmm. Be like, oh, yeah, I didn't do well. You know, I got a D. Mm Got to do better next time. Yeah. We're so, we always want to look our best. Right. And so it just came to, I combated it by just being truthful and Mm -hmm. just not letting it roll off. And you have to kind of, um, it's hard to just say not care what people think. Mm Mm-hmm. But you have 
that's I think where I started is mm-hmm. starting to not care what people thought. Yeah, yeah. Because you let which it is get- I know which is harder to do than it is to say. It is. I but still it's a struggle. Pra- it's a practice. Mm-hmm. You just have to practice. Mm-hmm. And to those people, also avoid them like the plague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just leave. Yeah. Sorry. Can't be yeah. around. I can't be in your sphere. Because trust me. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have great classmates mm-hmm. now, and so also just about leaving the toxic ones like Mm -hmm. you may think that that's the norm Mm -hmm. but it's really not Mm -hmm. there are other great people out there well that's what i did yeah we're all great but the thing i want our community to remember is not just where we come from and that we can do it but we created zero. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't. I did, did not you know, know that. I didn't. Yeah. It's like we created zero, folks. Okay, which is the mathematic calculation of what the linear. I don't know. You're gonna have to. I, have, I don't I just, know. But it, it's very important for coding. Yes. Zero st- coding starts on zero. Like yes. when you count things, zero, it goes and, zero, one, yes. two. Yes. Yes. So and we so created important. that, people. Are you listening out there? Okay, out there in uh, podcast land. Okay. Yeah, I thought that <laughs> the was Mayans, so cool. Yeah, the Mayans created, and it was from the astrological, how they were tracking for farming, and they they were. I was reading this in a Houston University, I want to say thesis online because I said, "Wait a second, we created zero. I need to know more about this." And that's the key point. The more we know about our history and where our Golduda came from, like I say, and that, you know, the Mayans and the Aztecs, you know, we are a part. There's a legacy of DNA in us from there. And that we created the astrological like mappings of mm-hmm. how farming, which I think is very cool, but zero. And zero is very important. It's very important. In coding. You can't start code without <laughs> zero, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? You have to tell me. Start a code. I mean, I'm still learning. I'm Mm -hmm. still learning too. Mm -hmm. But I'm so glad you brought them up because when I read that, I was kind of thinking, is that why I've always kind of had an obsession with how things worked? Because I've always loved the culture and Mm -hmm. the history of the Mayans Mm -hmm. and the Aztecs and Mm -hmm. the Incans. Just something about it. Like I can't explain it. It's just Mm -hmm. a feeling. It's just I felt very drawn and connected to. Well, it's because it's our inner voice of yes. our inner it's cells like in, calling it's in the back. bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said this in my last podcast with uh, yeah. Spanish Sin Pena. We talked about that, about how there's something in us that mm-hmm. is calling, and it's like a little tickle, you know, where we know something or we're very drawn to it. And it's just something that's there. People don't want to believe it or say it's bullshit, but it's not. It's it's a real thing. Yeah. And we created zero. <laughs> And I like to say that, you know, Zero's my hero. I'm going back to Schoolhouse Rock if you guys know anything about that. Dating myself here, but uh, <laughs> I think Jeffrey, our, our sound guy, knows about Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we talked about Girls Who Code. We talked about your journey into STEM. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a pivot moment for you that it just opened up and you said, I want to go forward into this field and it, you know, you have a, a minor in bioinformatics, which is yes. bananas because that is incorporating a lot of your science background with technology, mm-hmm. which is super important because we need to understand a lot of that information and how it gets translated 
into a visual type of, I want to say, I'm just going off of some basic knowledge here. I don't know very much about it, but it tells us a little bit more about how we see things on a genetic level. Is that correct? Yeah, so there are so many things you could do with bioinformatics. It's like, I can't even, there's no threshold to what you can do. right? You can also study outer space with that. Yeah, right. it's like astro- yeah. or what, yeah. astronomy. Sorry, astronomy. Exactly, people. like using uh, bioinformatics to like I don't know calculate <laughs> projections or something. Right, right. Or predict a lot of alg- there's a lot of prediction algorithms. Well, that's what's being used a lot today, yeah. and yeah. that's going to be a podcast coming up here soon Ooh, with them. Yeah, and we're going to talk about twenty three and Me, which I know a lot of us did. Right, but it's like we're almost going into the hella Gila, yeah, the Gila zone. We've all created our own Gila cells by doing that. Everybody with the twenty three and Me is there's going to be a discussion I'm going to have on another podcast about the data privacy of our cells and how we give that over to medicine. But even now in medicine, when you go in to the doctor mm-hmm. and you sign. They make you sign those forms that say, we're going to do all these tests for you and that you are signing, basically, you're signing away to say, if we need to do more research on this, you're giving us carte blanche to do Hmm, this. Interesting. I didn't know that they were allowed to do that. I thought that that was an extra form if they wanted to use um, your blood for research Mm -hmm. because one of the projects I'm on right now at Stanford they have to get secondary. It's like a specific form that they have mm-hmm, to sign mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with their testing, but mm-hmm. they're saying, can we use this? Mm-hmm. So. Right. But I think it comes in all forms. I, I, I might be mistaken, mm-hmm. but the last time in, in the Henrietta Lacks uh, yeah. book, another book everybody should try to read and understand what it means in this field of biochemistry molecular, molecular biology yeah. molecular used and a lot of different it's things, a lot yeah. of different things that there's a lot of funny things that go on out there with products and so the 23andme now has a database of my saliva which they can take That's the cells crazy. and uh but i did not sign them to do research on it because they have to send you if they're going to start a research project. They have to ask. They have to ask. Supposedly. Yes, supposedly. Supposedly they ask. Through an email that goes to your junk spam file that you never see. And they're like, oh, well, this person doesn't care. So we're just going to go ahead and run some test on your cells because your cells in your body hold every single, what, genetic makeup of you. Yeah. It's like a fingerprint. Right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'm only getting my research from Gattaca, the movie, and not I reading. think of Gattaca, too. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> okay, this is not, like, but, some big book I read. But, I'm like, Gattaca? Did anybody see Gattaca? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I loved the movie. Uh, isn't it true? But it's that, creepy. It's right? really creepy. It's uh, true. And it's scary now that... You know, especially how far genetic engineering is coming and sequencing DNA has come. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you keep mentioning 23andMe, and I think you find it interesting to know that a couple of my genetics professors mm-hmm. are not fans. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they think it's not the greatest, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of ethical ambiguity. Yes, there and, is. Yes, so I feel bad that I did it, but in a way, I'm like, well, whatever. You know, yeah. it, it's like it's there, and I know a little bit more about myself uh, genetically, which I kind of basically validated, but I knew a little bit more. And yeah, so now my my spit is somewhere in a, you know, cell. What do you call the the test glass? What do you call that? A slide? A slide. A slide. Yeah, a microscope slide. <laughs> yes. But it's probably in a, actually a test tube still. Really? Yeah, because unless they discard, like, actually at the same time, they probably don't have the space to keep everybody's mm. because that's a lot of so storage they make space. A, would they make a genetic code of your cells and then store it in a file that way? So they don't want 23 I'm very that, curious yeah. now. <laughs> so I don't know everything about 23andMe, but I definitely know that they don't sequence your whole genome. Mm-hmm. Your whole genome is huge. They don't sequence your whole genome. They only sequence your genome for um, specific characteristics that they look at. Really? Yes. And what are they looking for? Um, Do tell. Can you tell? <laughs> Can I tell? <laughs> Can you tell well, I don't, from the I don't Stanford know. labs of uh, molecular <laughs> no, biology? No, there's no like <laughs> funny intertwining going on there, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I just know kind of from like knowledge of what I've learned in class a little bit Mm -hmm. and also what I've looked up on my own, but they look for specific, because I know 23andMe does testing for certain diseases Mm -hmm. and um, certain markers for, mainly it's diseases Mm -hmm. and also um, like ethnic backgrounds, Mm -hmm. like where your ancestors were from. Mm -hmm. It's like ancestry is a big one and then also diseases. Mm -hmm. So diseases are... um, especially ones that are, they obviously do ones that are known. They're found on very specific parts. Um, Like we know if they're sequencing for it, that means we know the gene, which means we know the location. So we don't have to sequence the whole genome. We just can sequence their sequencing techniques to find that very specific location Mm -hmm. and to say, okay, so this is the gene for like the BRCA1, BRCA2, which is the breast cancer gene. Oh. That's a really common one. I don't know if 23andMe does it, but it's a very well-known study one. You can sequence and it'll the technology will pick out just that piece and excise it out. Mm-hmm. And then it'll excise out that gene and then it'll analyze that gene to see, is that gene mutated or is it normal? Mutated means it um, has a mistake somehow in mm. the sequence. So they don't actually sequence the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They just look for these very specific things that they're looking mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So how did you get so involved and passionate about that? Because <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. And it's really interesting stuff, and I think it's very important. But what is your main goal around yeah, this, so- this area of, I want to say, what, biochemistry? Or molecular biology? It's kind of like a, it's a lot of mix of a lot of different things. So Mm -hmm. molecular biology is things down, well, it's going to sound funny to say, but on a molecular level. (laughs) No pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. And you're probably like, what does that mean? Yeah, right. (laughs) So molecular level is um, down to the cell, down to the DNA the RNA. DNA is, do you know what, or actually I should probably I know what Lizzo means when she says she's 100%. (laughs) I'm 100%. DNA, it's like, um, it's like the instruction manual, you know, it Mm -hmm. has, DNA is, so you have genes Mm -hmm. and DNA is the word to describe the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So you can say, oh, genes, but 
your genes are DNA. Yeah. So, so that's what molecular biology is. Mm-hmm. And the cell and all the little parts and how they work. Um, so it's just stuff done on the very small level. Right. Yeah. Like very fine. So, you can't see with the yeah. eyeballs. You got to look yep, through them. Can't see with the eyeballs. Yeah. But what, so what, what, what got me yeah. into that? Yeah. Like, why do you want to look that deep? It's like outer space yeah. in a cell. So, God, I f- can't believe I just forgot this like exact information. But it is just wild to me how long and how... Like, if you were to unravel DNA, because DNA is so tightly coiled, mm-hmm. if you were to unravel Called a it, helix? Is helix, it? yes. It's a double helix shape. Mm-hmm. So it's two strands, and it twists into a double helix. It looks it, like a it, ladder, right? Yeah, it a looks ladder, like a ladder. A long ladder twisted yeah. together. Or one of those really cool, like, art studio-type spiral staircases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's another... Yeah. So if you were to... Because uh, it tightly packs... If you were to unravel it, it would actually be something, don't quote me on this, mm-hmm. but it's something like a foot or like, it's it's very long if you were to unravel it, where you would be able to see it on a macroscopic level. Like, let's pretend you can actually see it and unravel it. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, nanometers long, it's inches long. Mm-hmm. So if something that is so big can fit into every single cell and it's in, you know, you have... How many cells in the body? Like a million cells in the body. So I just find it for. (laughs) Also, probably something I should know. (laughs) It's funny, you kind of forget the small basic things sometimes Mm -hmm. when you go to the deeper level. Uh (laughs) But, um, you guys. So I just think it's very, very interesting. And one of the things I actually love talking about is actually love explaining science to non science people. Mm-hmm. But I just. Which I is why you do so Girls Who Code. Yeah, which is one of the things why I do Girls Who Code. Mm-hmm. Why are you so fascinated with diseases? <laughs> with diseases. <laughs> I, I call them cooties. I am not a cootie fan. <laughs> I, I am. I, I'm well, there's a lot of diseases ger- you can't catch, though. People, kind of, sort of, especially when I'm on a plane, forget it. But those are infectious diseases. There's oh. a lot of diseases you can't catch. Like, you can't catch diabetes. Right. Like, if I had diabetes, I couldn't give it to you. Right. <laughs> so. It's true. You know. Only Pepsi can and Coca-Cola can give us <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> Unless you have type 1 diabetes. <laughs> then it's an autoimmune disease. God. We're so, learning. Are we learning, people? We're learning. Yeah. All right. This is turning into a um, biology. Uh, yes. Well, I think <laughs> it's great because I think it's it's important for people to know that we need more Latinas in these STEM fields mm-hmm. because we make an impact to look at just what you said, the genetic location, right, with the gene mm-hmm. and the structure, and you can single out things because from a culture you know, whether we're black, brown, Asian, there are very specific things to us that we can correlate to our culture or how we can heal with medicines or or Mm -hmm. build new medicines for people of color because, uh, you know, we don't have those today. It's a very broad brush of, I want to say, medications and pharmaceutical that's just, you know, throwing it out there. But there's other things based on what you just told me Mm -hmm. that there are very special little individualized individualized little markers in our cells that are not being considered maybe in creating new medicines 
right? Yeah. Well, actually, it is starting to become a new frontier in medicine. <gasps> there's a new, there's a buzzword called precision medicine. Mm. So precision medicine is when it's done to um, like something. Some therapeutic is made for the individual level. Mm -hmm. So like I said, let's say you had some sort of genetic disease, like you had this gene, how could they use gene therapy specifically for you? Like how could they personalize this medicine so that it works for you? Because mm -hmm. there's starting to become a, an understanding in science that things don't work in broad strokes. Mm -hmm. And so, well, one thing, so it's, it's new, but yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that's interesting to me, and you bring this up, that's precision based, and I could be wrong in quoting this. So if you know anything about this, please, mm -hmm. um, or anybody else that would like to, you know, chime in here on an email to latinasb2b.com, uh, <laughs> is the sickle cell anemia, mm -hmm. the sickle cell disease, right? which is a blood disease, I believe, that is only around African-Americans, mm -hmm. right? The African-American yes. community. Yes. So that would be considered a area to have precision-based medicine. It, is there a medication for that or how? I'm very curious now because that is one thing I do know. A friend of mine had it, mm -hmm. and um, it's very specific to African Americans. And there are other diseases that are very specific to other people of yes. color. Yes. But this is one that's pretty well known, and it's been out there for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, do you know anything? Can you share any information? Yeah. So, because uh, I think we it's, always learn about it in classes, mm -hmm. actually, because. It is um, definitely predominantly an African-American, and it actually was a good thing, which what? sounds kind of... I know you're like, what? So because um, it was in areas that were really high malaria, oh. so it was actually like a defense mechanism because I feel like I'm so kind of So the body mutated its own cells to fight malaria? Yes, because malaria is when your red blood cells are misshaped. Mm -hmm. And some, I don't remember all of the details, but something about how malaria affects the oxygen and the red blood cells are carrying the oxygen. Mm -hmm. So the you're malaria getting, You're getting actually, tested here. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I learned about this so long ago. But um, no, the, the malaria, the having sickle cell actually helps kind of the body fight off the malaria a little bit. So it was um, hmm. like a mechanism that came into place because of the area that people were in and the what they were exposed, they what they had a high exposure of. Mm -hmm. So I think it only helped people who had malaria if they had sickle cell because it kind of fought off the malaria hmm. having those misshaped red blood cells wow but you know for the people who don't live in an area that has a high rate of malaria or they don't have malaria you know it's still detrimental it's still not right i still i'm not sure about the how those people's health are who have malaria but have sickle cell you know how advantageous is it really mm -hmm. i'm not sure but that's how they think that it kind of mutated. came about. Yeah, mm -hmm, the body. How, how the body mutated to adjust. Wow. So I'm telling you, the body is amazing. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna get more into that on an, on another yeah. podcast too, because there's a lot of homeopathic 
therapies that people rely on for, I want to say, diseases that have just manifested themselves for in this time frame. So we're using ancient homeopathic therapies for manifestation of diseases today. So I think this is a great area of chemistry and molecular biology. And I feel that you are going to really create and be a part of a research group that's going to help positively impact the business for our communities of color. Because it's so important for us to recognize that Mm -hmm. Uh, we do need more of this precision medicine and how we can actually influence products that are being made by major corporations, like products and, we use every day, food yeah. that's being processed, right? How our food is being processed, correct? And a part of the malaria thing and how it plays into kind of what you're saying and creating therapeutics and precision medicine for people of communities and what affects them more is it comes down to um, creating better clinical trials. Mm. Like if you're creating a malaria drug, Mm -hmm. you should have African people in the population. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be... But a lot of people of color are afraid to be tested in these... Which is fair because of the the history. history. Yes. Yes. But also um, it does need to be clinical trials do still need work on, not all of them, but I think there can still be work done in creating better clinical trials that are more representative Mm -hmm. of the population that they're trying to treat Mm -hmm. because um, that's important. Mm -hmm. And so, so, yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you. That's definitely a, because you don't want to create a drug, like I said, that doesn't affect that population. It might work differently in another population. Like we know that East Asian populations their bodies respond differently to drugs, mm-hmm. like and any any type of drug. Even I think even like ibuprofen, their metabolism is a little different. So if you're creating something specifically for them, like let's say something that affects their population, you should really be having them in your cohort of your clinical trial because mm-hmm. their metabolism is a little different. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's just one example. I think there's a lot to explore there and I'm I'm very excited about you being in this arena mm-hmm. and a lot of other, you know, mijas out there and you know, ladies of color that want to get into this field because there's so much you can do and impact us on a tremendous level, tremendous, tremendous level. And you got to fight for your way in there and just do it. That's, you know, just get in there and and make it happen that's that's my favorite line by the way i think i'm gonna have make it happen make it happen make it happen thank you carly for coming in today and talking to us about your journey into getting into uh, molecular biology being Mm -hmm. in a stem field talking to us about girls who code which is very important and if you're interested in starting a girls who code club you can go to the girls who code.com correct correct and you can look and start your own I want to say not you don't need a coding background. Nope. They ha- they have the outline and the training for you to start getting a lot more girls into science, technology and math. And one last thing I'd like to say about this interview is that Carly is still making her way into this industry of molecular biology and bioinformatics, which is a huge endeavor and 
we need to recognize that we need her there. And then also we want to be able to support other women coming through in this arena and that we, we cannot be afraid to say, I'm not going to do this. I am mm-hmm. going to do it. I, I just need to find my, my people to, to help get me there. So thank you, Carly. But on the, before I say goodbye, I want to know what your ultimate goal is. Ah, with ultimate goal with this degree because i see a lot so of many good, plans so many cool <laughs> things happening here so in i'm f- seeding you for big <laughs> big things here so in five in five ten years i will have my phd mm-hmm. i'm not sure exactly which little subfield i go i'll go into but i'll definitely have my phd in what it's gonna be something cell bio, chemical bio, immunology. Mm-hmm. I don't know, something mm-hmm. like that. I'm like something like that, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be in something that's translational mm-hmm. um, because, like I said, I do think helping people's health is important. Mm-hmm. It's part of the reason why I'm so interested in diseases, and so something, something in that general field, which is very general actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have my PhD. I will go into industry. Mm-hmm. And maybe start my own biotech company. <gasps> that That's kind of a big fabulous. dream. But I've definitely... I think we're just going to quote yeah. you on that one to start your own biotech. <laughs> yes, it's definitely something I'm interested in. Awesome. But I'm just taking one step at a time and... Find yeah. your people now. Yeah. Build yeah. it now. Yeah. And you will because I hope that this will get build out to many. Build it and they will come. I they build it <laughs> and they will come is kind of a funny thing, but yes, yeah, they know. can. Just you, reminded me of this People funny will movie. find you like, yeah. I, like I did to share your message. So thank you for joining me today on Latinas B2B. Thank you. Thanks, Carly, for being our guest today on Latinas from the block to the boardroom. Please subscribe on your podcast podcast platforms. And thanks again for listening. Please share the podcast links. And if you have any questions, please reach out to me at info at latinasb2b.com. Would love to get some feedback. Gracias.